On today's Below Average Joe's MMA Podcast, we're previewing UFC 277. Two title fights, two rematches. It all goes down on Saturday. We're also recapping Dana White's Contender Series Season 6, the season debut, and an update from Dustin the Diamond Poirier. All this and more, and it all starts right now. Welcome everyone to episode 225. It's Thursday preview time once again UFC 277 we do have a little bit to recap of course the contender series is back season six so we have a lot to go over um Dominic how are you doing my friend that's the man on the right oh well on my right left side of your screen he comes to you from the great state of Ohio true I want you to tell everyone how you're doing and then when you're done, I want you to transition into telling people where they can find us on social media. See, this is where we start it, Noah. This is where we pick up the consistency of the social media. Um, but I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. I don't feel like I ever tell you thank you. Thank you for asking how I am. You also Noah. never ask how I'm doing. but that's I okay. do uh, maybe like once every two weeks. It's fine. <laughs> um, so I'm doing good. I'm excited. It's a big week. The second pay-per-view, as Noah said in our intro by the way hope you guys like those new intros noah's mm-hmm. kicking ass on it's like a it's like an infomercial call me ron call me ron perlman bitch yeah ron ron perlman baker um i love it i'm excited it is i don't know the card's weird the main card's pretty stacked tons of really good ranked fighters prelims name value wise isn't going to jump off the page mm. but it's not about that right we always say it's what happens in the cage so yeah. we'll see what happens on saturday night um it's going to be a good day we got a golf trip planned in the early morning, much like uh, a couple weeks ago for UFC Long Island, except we won't miss any fights this time. We'll get the mm-hmm. golf done in the morning, go to our buddy's house in the evening. So I'm excited, man. It's going to be a good week, a good weekend. I am going to ask you how you're doing, but I will plug socials first. Does that yeah, sound go good? Ahead, go ahead, okay, go ahead. cool. You can find our podcast on Twitter, on Instagram, on TikTok, at BAJ underscore MMA podcast as we continue to build the community. You can find myself on Twitter, on Instagram, at dsleep 14 and you can find Noah on Twitter, on Instagram, at ntbaker underscore. Go over there and ask Noah how he's doing, because he wants mm. you guys to ask so he can express himself. Go ahead. I do. I just, I'm a very needy person, obviously. If you guys couldn't tell, I'm just so needy. I, just, I need someone at all times. Right. Hold my hand, tell me everything's going to be okay. Right. And everything is okay right now, thankfully. Uh, everything's good over here in Indiana. Um, the... The Puerto Rico of the Midwest, as it's called. I did not know that. Is that true? Uh, it's not. No, it's okay. not true. <laughs> I just tried to think of something off the top of my head. And okay. Puerto Rico it was. There you <laughs> but, go. Um, everything's good over here, man. You know, it's the same old, same old. It's the grind right now. Uh-huh. Um, a lot of exciting stuff in the future that we we have coming up. But for now, Dom... UFC 277 is what is in front of us. Yeah. So let's start with the main event. They run it back as there is someone just fucking revving up a revving up a Harley outside. Hell yeah, brother! Perfect. Hey, he's excited for the fights, man. Hey, man. 
My dad's a Harley rider. I, I anybody who rides motorcycles, there's like a nod that you give. Tip when of you the see cap. someone. You kind of see them, or do you give them a little "What's up"? Right. I've never owned a Harley, but my dad has. But yet, when people would ride down my street, like if I was passing baseball or throwing football yeah. around, yeah, I would constantly get the nod. And I'm like, did they just know? Did I just smell like Harley? They could see it on your face. Like they saw the potential. Yeah. And now you have a tattoo inspired by your dad and his love for motorcycles. <laughs> this so. is very true. This is very true. Don't love it when it interrupts the show, though, because the main event. <laughs> yeah, let's try they, it again. <laughs> they run it back. Juliana Pena this time is your champion. At it felt weird to type that, Noah. It did. She is plus 230. She takes on the number one contender. Amanda Nunes, minus 275. Still the favorite, even though she lost the first fight. A lot of that's because Amanda Nunes is, of course, the women's GOAT. Uh, she's just now uh, had her 12-fight win streak snapped. Um, a lot can be brought up about the first fight. We've talked about it extensively. I still, to this day, don't know how that happened. Um, Juliana Pena, very solid fighter. Former Ultimate Fighter winner. Has had her moments, hadn't shown anything capable of beating what we thought of as Amanda Nunes, the best of all time. Didn't look to be slowing down at all. But, Dominic, I want to ask you first, before we kind of dig into the details of the first fight, what went wrong, what went right, what might we might see here, do you have C or sort of billing this fight? And, I mean, they're really going for it. I mean, they gave these two their season of the ultimate fighter to coach against one another that just wrapped up or the, I guess the finals are in like a week or two, but um, it's being billed as like the biggest women's fight in UFC history. Do you believe at this, at this juncture, at this moment that the buildup, the, the hype, do you believe it's really reflecting that, or do you think that there's maybe this fight's being a little bit overlooked as we head towards the second half of fight week? It um, that's kind of an interesting kind of two-parter because <laughs> they are, especially Dana. Really, it's more. I feel like Dana's really revving this up to be like the biggest women's fight mm-hmm. of all time. To me, it's, it's it's maybe like the biggest women's rematch. Of all time, but like Nunez Rousey, <laughs> Nunez Cyborg, um, I mean, yeah. just two off the top of my head are like absolutely humongous. Obviously, Ronda's first fight in the UFC was huge, but this, so this isn't like the biggest women's fight of all time to me, but it is a fantastic rematch because it shocked Juliana Pena, shocked the world, and beat the greatest women's fighter of all time in the UFC. So it does deserve hype to a certain extent, but to go that far. I mean, that's a bit much, but it could just be opinion-based. Maybe so. some people it is that way, and that's perfectly fine. Dana, the boss man, says so. That's fine as well. But, uh, yeah, it's big, it, and it feels relatively big. But at the same time, you blink and you miss it, but I feel like this pay-per-view kind of just snuck up on everybody, and here it is. And now you're just now hearing about it. So, in a sense, it's big. And in another sense, it's like, eh, it's another fight week. It's kind of what it feels like to me, unfortunately. Yeah, I, I feel like it doesn't feel big at all. I mean, yeah, yeah. they're... It should be. Right. I think that, and I don't really blame the UFC for it because it seems like they're really giving this fight and these two as much as they can. I mean, the ultimate fighter, which I know not a ton of people watch anymore, but like 
you know, they're they're really trying. To, I mean, anytime Dana talks about it, he says it's the biggest women's fight of all time, it just doesn't really feel like it. Like even a fight like uh, Rousey and Holm, which obviously ended up ended up being monumental for the aftermath. But even going in, it was one of the biggest drawing crowds and yep. MMA history over there in Australia. Um, and of course, to me, the Cyborg and Nunez fight is the biggest women's fight yeah. ever. Just in, in personal hype. The Ronda Nunez fight. I mean, yeah. that was Ronda's Huge. comeback. Yeah. I mean, they were the hype videos for that. Ronda's just strolling through a mansion. There's no sight of Amanda Nunez. Amanda anywhere. didn't even exist. Yeah. 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 It was uh good times back in 2016, 2017. But that to me, that doesn't do this fight justice. Because this fight is pretty big. It's pretty massive. You're right. It's kind of like the biggest women's rematch, which not that yeah. there's been a ton <laughs> exactly. of those, but in a sense, I mean, that's that's kind of what you get here. And it really, this fight is so interesting. So much more interesting than the first time going in for me. It really is. Yeah. Obviously, the first time out, it felt like just another notch on Nunez's belt was going to be mm-hmm. um, marked. I just, it was more of a given. When is Pena going to get taken out of there? Not if. And for the first round... Uh, that looked like the smart <laughs> play. Yeah. Nunez controlled one almost everything about that first round. Second round comes though, and the the script just flipped. I, I don't know how to really explain it even now. It's uh, to me when I when I go back and watch it, um, the biggest fat thing that you notice on a rewatch is just how drained Nunez is. Like right out the yeah. gate, round two. Yeah. Like round one had a little bit of grappling. But it's it's very surprising how quickly her gas tank drained, and once it did, she defensively lost everything because mm-hmm. Pena just started landing a jab that just over and over again was just hitting flush on Nunez, and I think really took a toll on her. And really, when you get to the finish, Dom, I mean, it's technically a submission finish, but if you really look at that choke, I'm not even sure if it was locked in. Nunez literally kind of. Theoretically, quit. And I mean, that's the women's goat we're talking about. Yeah. We're talking about an absolute savage. And yeah. Juliana Pena did that to her. So when you look back on the first fight, do you see a lot of similarities to what I just described? Is there anything maybe new or different that you could add to the discussion on that? And then let that transition into kind of your thoughts when we go for the second time here. Like, What's changed? What's what's different? What's the same about that first fight, in your opinion, as we head into it? Yeah, I mean, one of the biggest things that have changed, and I feel like people have all of a sudden forgot about it because it was made such a big deal when it happened. I mean, Nunez no longer an American top team, right? She mm-hmm. left that camp immediately following that loss to Juliana Pena. So I'll be curious to see how she's went about training. Um, I know that she brought back her striking coach, that has not been with her since the Ronda Rousey fight. And we know how good her striking looked in that fight. So if that has anything to do with it, then we could see even better striking from Amanda than what we're used to. But, you know, um, I will say from watching the first three embedded episodes, she looks the leanest I've ever seen her, at least in recent memory, coming into a fight week, especially for 135 pounds that she's going to be fighting at. Juliana, though, I don't really expect much different from her. She's always been kind of known for her just kind of grinded out dog style. And that's what found her success in that first one. Why wouldn't she try and replicate it here? 
It's more so, what can Amanda do this time? Because don't forget, Amanda seemingly dominated the first round in that fight. She did. She mm-hmm. kind of just dogged Pena down there on the ground, got off ground and pound. It wasn't anything too crazy. But like you said, she did gas quite substantially in what led her to submitting uh, to Juliana in that second round. And really a choke that was not blocked in all that tightly. So what can Amanda do here? Will her gas tank look improved? Will she look to press the pace forward on Juliana so she can't do it to her? There are a lot of question marks, but all in all, game plan-wise, I feel like these two are so well-known for what they're good at that it it won't change too drastically in terms of, like, what we're going to see. Like, I think someone's going to get finished relatively convincingly. How is it going to be different at all from the first fight? We'll find out. So I do think this fight might be quite a bit different. Um, you might be right in that, like, what is Juliana really going to do differently? But she has to know that or expect that she's going to come into a better version of Amanda than she got the first time. I'm not saying that's what she's going to get, but she should expect that. She should plan for that. Like, she has recognized in any interview I've watched of hers, she doesn't believe that she saw the best Amanda Nunes that night. And I think that's pretty clear to anybody that watches that fight. That might be the best of what's left of Amanda Nunes, but that would be quite a substantial uh, drop-off from what we saw from her when she fought Megan Anderson like eight right. months or even less than that prior. Yeah. So you're kind of right. It feels like a lot of it's on what is Amanda Nunes going to do differently. It's very interesting how quickly she guessed. And not that and that's always been kind of an issue. Like if you True. go back to early in her career – her gas tank was the thing that kind of held her back. You know, the loss to Kat Zingano, her only other loss in the UFC, yep. was because she dominated the early parts of that fight, but she kind of exerted too much of herself, and Kat was able to dominate late right. and get a finish. So that's always been kind of a thing with Amanda Nunes. It just felt like in her title run, she had just kind of cleared up all those holes. Like, She's gone five rounds with Valentina Shevchenko. She's went five rounds with Felicia Spencer. She's went the majority of five rounds with Raquel Pennington. I mean, she, yep. Yep. she Jermaine Durandamy, the second time, went five rounds. Like, she has looked very good yep. over the course of five rounds. But I think the difference was she was able to fight most of those fights at her pace. Yep. She dictated the pace. 100%. And it was a very slowed down, not a very high amount of output. Yep. Like the Jermaine Durandamy fight, if you kind of notice, she does slow down in the second half of that fight. But she has such a wrestling advantage yep. over GDR. It doesn't matter. Yeah, because GDR, GDR looked good at, in the striking. At points, she, yeah, the striking, she was kind of getting the better of it at times. Yeah, But Amanda took her down at will. I mean, yes. absolutely no wrestling defense from GDR in that fight. But like Felicia Spencer, even the second Valentina fight, which I know is very controversial in the way it was scored, but they're very slow fights. Like they're right. not there's not a ton of output. So it's yes. a little easier for someone like Amanda who maybe doesn't have the best gas tank to preserve themselves for twenty five minutes. You look at some of her other performances. I mean, the Ronda Rousey knockout came in less than a minute. The Chris Cyborg knockout was less than a minute. Like, these fights where she's really went for it. The Megan Anderson submission, that was like two and a half minutes. I mean, Holly Holmes. these 
Holly Holm in one round. Yeah. Like these fights where she's really and I the Holly Holm one it was more of a one shot like yeah. shin to the face. Sure. But like, you know, the Chris Cyborg one where she like really went for it. Yeah. She got her out of there in under a minute. Like who's to say what would have happened if Chris Cyborg survives oh. that? Yeah. And yeah. it goes longer. Like to me, you kind of look at it. There's really no in the middle. Like we really, until that Juliana Pena fight, we had not seen someone who could take Amanda Nunez's, um, I guess, best shots, mm-hmm. live through it, not get locked into any sort of submission. Is good enough on the ground to where Nunez can't just bully her and take her down and kind of get her breath while she holds position or whatever, and then. Once Pena started to find some success, she just kept going back to that well with the jab, with the jab. And then, again, Nunez maybe just overlooking her a little bit. Maybe, again, in a little bit in flux of the camp. Like, she kind of knew she was maybe on her way out. Apparently, she didn't appreciate that they kind of seemed to all be on the Kayla Harrison mm. uh, team. And she felt like she wasn't getting quite the one-on-one the attention. treatment like she had had before. Yep. So maybe there was a lot of mind games going into that fight. And ultimately, it's a whole melting pot of stuff that led to what was ultimately a disaster for her. Yeah. But she's going to fight that same Juliana Pena this time. Maybe someone even better. I mean, Juliana Pena is very good. Oh, yeah. Like, even if I didn't think and still don't think that she is as... I don't think... Even if she beats Amanda this time, like, I don't look at her as being a potential women's goat. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's kind of a lot to throw on. Yeah, someone. big shoes to fill. Yeah, stylistically though, she does have some things that Amanda has just not been accustomed to having to fight against, and one of it is her toughness. I mean, not that there's there's a lot of tough women out there and in this division, but she is very durable and yeah, does, dog, and man. She's a bit defensively sound, where like a Chris Cyborg kind of went in there and wasn't very defensively sound, kept her chin wide open while she threw bombs, trying to put Amanda away quickly. Right. Um, Pena sort of let, she kind of let Nunez sort of try to do the bully tactic. Realized, I think, in the middle of that first round or even at the very end, she's like, wait a minute, I can kind of, I can handle this. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, it's like Amanda's powers were powerless Come in around two. All of a sudden, Pena had that confidence. Like, that was it? Like, yeah, I lost that first round, but that was it? Yeah. I can hang in here and do this. And then she, you saw a very sloppy stand-up she, brawl. Yeah. But that was a that was a test of will. She overwhelmed. Pena, yeah. Pena showed she had more heart on that night yeah. than Amanda Nunes did. Yeah. I would agree. I would agree. I mean, Dominic, I said a lot right there. Do you have any kind of final thoughts on this fight? What we might see, you know, what what could be at stake here? Like, is it is, for Amanda if she were to lose again? Mm. Technically, she's still a champion of the women's featherweight. Yeah, let us not forget. Yeah, but I mean, what does this do for her legacy with the loss? I mean, is she risking losing her women's goat ship, or is that still firmly secured? I think for now that would still be firmly secured, man. She's done things that no other woman has even been close to. The closest one is Valentina, but Valentina has two losses to Amanda. So she's still firmly cemented as the GOAT win or loss here. That's for sure. There's nothing you can do to take away from her legacy right now. 
Uh, but this is a big fight. There is a lot of pressure on her shoulders. I know she's not the champion no more, and I know Juliana is, but I think there's still more pressure on Nunes coming into this fight because everybody just has expectations for her, much like they did last time, except the odds aren't minus 1,000 this go-around. You know what I mean? But other than that, I feel like from everything I've been seeing, everyone is still loving Amanda Nunes here. Some people are riding off that first fight as a fluke. So I'd, I'd be careful. That's a, that's a word can be a little dangerous to throw around because um, I really do think Juliana is clearly a live dog at plus 230. Um, with the, I just think it's the way that the styles clash with Pena's pacing and durability. That is the type of fight style that can give Nunes problems. So is Amanda going to come in there and try and get her out early? Because like you said, in that first fight, in the first round, she did play it a little bit slower. She got her to the ground, but didn't really necessarily work too hard. But now that she knows that that ain't no sweat to Juliana, she'll come right out and start firing in round two. I wonder if we'll see that kind of Amanda Nunes that we saw against, mm-hmm. you know, uh, 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 Ronda Rousey, against um, I'm blank uh, um, Chris Cyborg. Chris like, Cyborg, yeah. yeah. I really wonder if she can come out with her striking and set a pressure on Pena to where she may just get her out quick. I, I don't know. I feel like she may yeah. even have to do that if this fight goes round by round it sways to juliana pena i have no other reason to think mm-hmm. otherwise right now yeah it's such it's so interesting a lot of questions will be answered and a lot of questions about both these fighters again it's been so hard for me to wrap my head around it because i felt like i i knew what i needed to know about these two and then it just got flipped on its head mm-hmm. yeah and all of a sudden there's questions about amanda nunez that i had never even thought to ask before yeah, but I mean that's the fight game. That's why we love this sport. You know, a lot can be revealed about somebody at this. I mean, as Amanda Nunes, who's already secured being the best women's fighter of all time. Yeah, she's not at an age where we should be worried about her necessarily declining. But you see that kind of performance come out of her out of nowhere, seemingly. Yeah, and all of a sudden you like have all these questions, and it makes um, you wonder. It's just it's just a very you don't get that in a lot of sports, you know. So yeah. Yeah. Gotta love that. Let's talk about the co-main event a little bit, because there is a second title fight on this card, technically, with Davidson Figueredo out for the rest of the year. There is an interim flyweight title put into place. The man that Davidson took the title from the start this year, Brandon Moreno, will look to get his gold back, and to do so, he's going to have to go against the surging Kai Car of France, the most popular man in Columbus once upon a time in March. Very true. And um, this is a very interesting fight, number one versus number two. Let's get the elephant in the room out of the way. No, I don't love that it's an interim title fight. You guys know how I feel about interim title fights. I think an interim title is stupid. But I will say it's hard for me to harp on it within reason like i still look at like the surreal gone Derek lewis one is just being like <laughs> the worst of the worst you know yeah but this one what i like about this one is i like that these two are getting five rounds um, yeah. obviously the pay-per-view points like come on yeah. you know we all want to see these guys get paid more i don't want to but the five rounds is the the big thing so even if you look at this as like a number one contender bout which it certainly is in a lot of ways i love that it's five rounds we know Brandon Moreno, the assassin baby, yeah. can go five rounds. He's done it with Davison two out of three times. He's went the distance full 15 with Kai Car France previously. Yeah. Kai Car France is the one I think there's a little bit more that needs to be answered about him, even though we're learning so much each fight out. You know, we look at the streak he's been on. 
the comeback he had against Rogerio Bontaran mm. was amazing. Bontaran dominated that entire first round. Yeah. Kai comes back in the last 10 seconds and knocks him out cold. Yeah. Then you look at where he took himself against Cody Garbrandt. Pillar to post. Just, he, was, he was looked at as the, the gatekeeper for Cody Garbrandt to literally win a fight and go straight yep. to the title. Cody Garbrandt, a former Bantamweight champion, making his debut in a new weight class. Kai France gets him out of there in a Slept round. Slept him, yeah. Then Askar Askarov, the best wrestler, grappler in the division. Kai France's biggest weakness up to this point being that takedown defense, yeah. his, his lack of offensive or even defensive wrestling. And stuff, the majority of the takedowns goes in and wins that decision, becomes the most popular man in Columbus. I mean, yes. he, lo- he looked like a real star there. That he night. did. I mean, he did. He was the most popular guy there. I mean, that's saying something. Yeah. Not that there was a ton of star power, but I mean, like, over to guys like Curtis Blades, Chris Dawkins, even Matt Brown, it felt like he was very comparable right. to, the, to the pop that Matt Brown got in that arena. So, Kai Carr France. Is the guy that's really building the momentum here. While Brandon Moreno trying to kind of salvage this run he's on that looked like the start of something great a year ago. Yeah. yeah. A year ago, Dom, in the rematch with Davis and Figueredo coming off of their extraordinary first fight that ended in a draw. And Brandon kind of put the world on notice by straight up dominating. Dominated. Davison. Yeah. For the better part of three rounds, gets the submission finish. It was on our uh, the, performance of the year nominee, yep, the Joey's. Performance of the year. Um, afterwards, very heartfelt on the mic. I cried. That never happens with me. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not much of a crier, but I teared up when when he spoke. Yeah, and then six months later, it looked like okay, they're doing the third fight. A lot of people weren't even that interested in it at the time. And he loses a close decision. Very Razor. close fight. A great fight. Yeah. Hard to call. You can't call it a robbery. I mean, it was Davison won that fight, but man, it's just like you felt like a little wind out of the sails. Like it felt like Moreno had the has a potential to be something massive. Yeah. Yeah, it really did. So here he's really trying to salvage that. And he's the one that's in a tough spot here, Dom. Let's be clear. I mean, coming off that fight, it looked like all but a guarantee he was going to run it back with Davis in a fourth time. Yeah. You know? Because yep. technically the standings of their series are 1-1-1. One, one, one. It's perfect. It calls for the saga. So the best of four. Yeah. <laughs> but Davison with his injury, they don't want to hold the division up. They need. They want mm-hmm. another fight here, of course, to make it a two-title fight card. So now he has to essentially fight for his number one contender spot against a guy who is at confidence is at an all-time high Absolutely. in Kai Carr of France. Um, how do you think that – do you feel like Moreno will respond well to these kind of circumstances? Do you think he can thrive under this kind of environment against a guy he already has a win over? Or do you feel like the fr- p- p- potential frustration of the situation he's in could get into his own head? Nah, this is the exact fighter that I feel like no external factors can like bother him whatsoever. This man is so just dedicated to being the best in the world and improving with every fight. I mean, look at the journey he's been on. Don't forget, this is a guy that's been cut 
from the UFC and had to fight and claw his way back in and then reach the top of the mountain and become a champion. So I don't believe coming in that there's any external factors that can negatively affect Brandon coming into this fight. I think it's an ultra competitive fight. Again, a rematch from 2019 where Brandon did win a unanimous decision over Kai. But since then, obviously we've seen Moreno. That was kind of the start of his just, he began to really get on a roll. And for Kai Car France, Look what he's done now, the three straight wins that we've talked about, two of them by finish, and then a great three-rounder against uh, someone that can't really hang with Askar Askarov for three straight rounds, and he did it and won that fight. So both guys are just, they've evolved so much, and that's what I like when rematches have time to simmer. You know, when they're not immediately back-to-back, you really get to see the growth and the evolution of both guys' games. That's what this fight is here to me. So may the best man win. This is a sick fight stylistically, too, like, Brandon Moreno is so good everywhere. You would think coming in, definitely advantage on the ground. But after Kai's last performance, can Brandon even get it on the ground? And if it's on the feet, Kai Car France carries bombs in his hands, dude, for the 125-pound division. And Moreno can get hit, but he can eat a lot of shots too, man. He's got that Mexican fighting spirit that they talk about a lot. This This has banger written all over it. Both guys clearly have the durability to go 25 minutes here. I mean, I think we're in for a marathon, not a sprint, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, I think this fight is the biggest upside potential-wise to be like that kind of fight of the night, you know, the fight that we all cling to afterwards and go, man, what a fucking fight that was. Like, I feel like Moreno's just always in really fun fights. And Kai Carr-France, when he has an opponent that can hang with him on the feet, can do that as well. Now, I don't think Moreno... Do I think Moreno could hurt Kai Car France on the feet? I do. I do think that uh, he, he was could. hurting Davison on the feet. Yes, he was. But I do feel like Moreno had most his where he succeeded most in the series with Davison was either when he could take the fight to the ground, of course, or when he could threaten to do so, and that would leave openings on the feet. When Davison yeah. had to be concerned with the takedown, yep. Moreno that kind of opened him up to more exchanges on the feet. If Kai Car France's takedown defense is as good as it showed against Askarov, which I have no reason to think it's not, because Askarov is clearly the standard yep. for wrestling at flyweight, then I mean this fight gets a lot closer than the odds tell you. Like right now, minus two ten for Moreno, plus one eighty for KKF. That's and then you, this will kind of show the way I'm talking about this now and the later, but like. If Moreno has a hard time getting this fight to the ground, which if you would have told me before the Askarov fight this matchup was made, I would have thought, again, I thought KKF's takedown defense was pretty lackluster. I mean, you look yeah. at the Bonturin fight, Bonturin was able to take him down pretty easily. But ever since then, he just has shown a willingness to continuously improve on that. And now he's at a point where not only is he good at not getting taken down, but even when he's down there, man, defensively, he's very good at getting back up. Yeah, And Moreno, I don't look at as being quite the grappler that Askarov is. So then it comes really a war of nutrition, which Moreno could definitely win that. I mean, Moreno, so durable, but he just has to be able to do a lot of damage on the feet because power for power, shot for shot, Kaikan France has got a big power advantage here. Yeah. Um, so if this really does become just a war to the end, 25 minutes, all of a sudden, it kind of flips on its head, Dom, and I look at this fight as an essential pick I mean, I think it's five rounds all on the feet. I think Moreno will threaten with the takedown. I don't know if he'll ever quite get it, 
but that could be enough to open himself up or open KKF up for some shots. And all of a sudden we're looking at whoever wins the fifth round is your new interim flyweight champion. Yeah, I like it, man. This is going to be something special, I think. Yeah. So we got more on this card to come, but now we got to do a little recap because Dominic Tuesday night marked the beginning of the sixth season of Dana White's Contender Series. That's crazy. A show that me and Dom hold near and dear to our hearts, especially Dom. Dom, once upon a time, the Contender Series guy. Yeah. And then he missed that episode last season that I watched, so then I kind of became the Contender Series guy. But that's okay. I mean, I'll let Dominic kind of hold the crown just because. I passed the torch. Yeah, OGs, OGs know that Dom's the original Contender Series guy. Back in 2020 when I didn't watch a single episode because of work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So here we are, season six, Dom. Obviously, I think the viewers, anybody who watched or has been listening online, kind of knows where the direction of this conversation is going to go. But I'm going to ask you, how did it How did it do? The debut of season six, how did it live up? I mean, obviously, it's exciting to be back, but how did the fights live up to you? Uh, I'll take it for something on a Tuesday, <laughs> I guess, right? Um, oh, or, come on, hey, dude. For, oh, my God. You're not even letting me go. You're such, you are such, a, you're like, a, you're such a little goody good. Like, just say it, say it. It was like a wet fart in church. Like, Ooh. just. <laughs> a wet fart. I thought it's usually just a normal fart. He added it to be wet. Um, yeah, there was lackluster, to say the least. I mean, there was one finish out of four fights, mm. and really out of the three fights that went the distance i only enjoyed one of them i enjoyed the the uh costa and luna split decision fight i thought they were banging going back and forth on the feet but the other two especially the light heavyweight fight with antone and uh, dos santos just i don't i don't know man it's unfortunate to have the first episode of your new season start off this way when there's so much hype surrounding it so many people in the building dana white brought lorenzo in but it is what it is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Dominic, you know, sorry for, for you know, I, I think I came a little hard on you there, but wait, pause. <laughs> Anyways, um, these fights, look, the main event, Joseph Piper, get, that he deserved it. I mean, that, that was an ass. Talk about a man. That, I mean, what a better stage for him, right? Couldn't, couldn't put him on a better stage where you had three fights that really didn't deliver to the majority of people. Yep. Of course, Dom liked the Costa-Luna fight, so we'll make that distinction for him. But the majority of people just being like, okay, these fights just really aren't what, I, what I'm used to with the Contender Series. You know, Usually these guys are going for broke. They're going for it because it's always been made clear. Dana, and he, he had to reiterate this last night, and we'll get into that. It's not about what you've done previously. Like, we know you're good enough to maybe be in the UFC. It comes down to right now. Like, this yep. is the job interview. There's nothing about your resume before that's going to help you now. Right. So, I felt like the first three fights, a lot of guys just sort of resting on their laurel, laurels, morals. That's right. You know, laurels. Resting on their laurels. Is that yep. what I'm looking for there? Like, a lot of guys coming in, you know, you had guys from great camps, like Sarah Longo guy. There was yeah. a Team Alpha yeah. Male guy. Um, and it felt like they sort of just coasted or or played it safe uh, is a weird way to put it. And I, and I hate to word it like that. I hate to be critical like that in that way. Because these are guys, I mean, they're putting their, 
you know, they need to be defensively sound here. Like, you don't want these guys just going in there and putting on a Griffin Bonner. And as exciting as that would be, I mean, that could shorten someone's career substantially. So I recognize that these guys have a lot more to fight for than just this night. But you want a little more sense of urgency out of guys that are fighting for a UFC contract. And when you get to, like, round three in these fights, like, does it not go through these guys' heads? Like, they're not getting a contract right now. Right. I mean – I, I don't know. even I don't even know if season five Dana White has given those guys contracts like, yeah. and he gave everybody a contract. Everybody, yeah. <laughs> um, here I completely agree. Joseph Piper, this is the guy by the way who had that nasty shoulder injury from last season. You remember that? Oh yeah, he, got, he was on last year. The guy that got slammed and his shoulder like completely got fucked up. Yeah, that was him. Huh. And you know afterwards he said like, you know he was so invested in this opportunity he's like i don't even have a place to stay in two days wow like and i was like wow man it just really added a little something to the moment like he's all in you know not only did it make me think about like wow how awesome it is that he gets an opportunity to be in the ufc and he dana loves this guy now so he's probably going to get a pretty decent first fight but also it made me think about how many guys in this dude's shoes on the other end like yep. the guy he lost, Ozzy Diaz. What if he had a similar situation? It's like, man. Yeah. Some guys come in here and this is like their last hope and they may not win. And that's just yeah. yeah. It just adds a little something, you know, when you watch this. Like it can't help but just feel a little anxiety for both people fighting. Well yeah, Dos Santos um, in the co main works a full time job and yeah. then came in to fight last it's night, crazy. you know? It's crazy. So, obviously, Joseph Pfeiffer, the only real takeaway as far as the winners go, I would say. Yeah. Um, what did you think of Dana's speech afterwards when he was giving out the contract? He uh, he had a bit of a mic drop. What did you think? Yeah, I mean, uh, do you so you want to be an ultimate fighter, right? That's what it reminded <laughs> me of. OG Dana White when he had hair and stuff back in the day almost. like It, it was old school speech, very straight to the point. You're coming here. Mm-hmm. This is a job interview, like Noah said. Um, show me something. Show me something. And that's what Piper did. That's why he loved it so much. He said, you want to come out and look like Piper did. He kind of left Laura Sanko, had a, like a mic drop moment, just walked away. Laura was like, wait, so does so Piper funny. have a contract? That was hilarious. Not? She's like, so does that mean Joseph Piper gets <laughs> so, a contract? I mean, he's good when he makes those speeches that lighten a fire under people's asses. So you have to think that come next week for week two, Maybe people will come out and really start to prioritize it, go for broke just a little bit more. And again, like No said, we don't want to see you just come out here and rock 'em, sock 'em robots and just be dumb. But I think when you really hear from the boss man that this is what we're looking for, it does add that motivation. Like, okay, this is what I, I need to do. I think it's been clear for all these seasons now what Dan yeah. is looking for. He makes Except it last clear year. He, he literally, well. And last year, like, most of the contracts given out, I probably agreed with. Most were, like, yes. I mean, a handful I'm talking about that I didn't overall. So, like, last season just felt like there was a lot of contract-worthy fights and performances. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, that's that's been growing. Every season there's been more and more, and that's just kind of the name of the game. Um, obviously, eventually a season's going to have to drop off. I mean, or else you're talking of contract every single fight in the season. Yeah. I mean, it's just unrealistic growth. But um, I guess it just feels like it's been very clear what Dana's looking for and what he goes into these fights knowing. Like, I feel like he's been saying from day one, he doesn't read anything about these guys. He knows literally nothing about them. When, I actually like that he does them. that. 
I do too, and I don't necessarily believe it all the time. Like I do think there's certain guys that he'll know a little bit about. Like I know he's not as involved as he once was. Um, you know, Dana White looking for a fight is fun and all, but like he doesn't really do that like yeah. anymore. And, um, but I I have no doubt that like you're telling me a guy from like Sarah Longo who's borderline UFC. You tell me none of those get like Sarah hasn't been in his ear about this kid or something like. I do believe, though, like, he hasn't watched anything about these guys. Like, he doesn't really know much about him. But I do believe, like, he probably knows a little bit. But I don't think it – I'd like to believe it doesn't hold any sort of biases on how he evaluates them. Now, what will be interesting, Dom, I'm circling week three already. Okay, let's Week hear. three is when Bo Nickel will be on the show. And he is 1-0 right now. I believe he's the Penn State a uh, wrestler that's looked at. He's like the biggest prospect in the sport right now. The biggest free agent, you know, whatever you want to call him. Um, everybody's going to know who this guy is when he steps in there. As far as like Dana and the boys. Yeah, yeah. At least they, I would reckon they will. Right, right. And I have a feeling that no matter how he looks, if he wins, he's getting a contract. Yeah. So that'll really test... If it's all about how you do on Tuesday, because True. you said he's one and zero, he's one and zero, and I be, I can't remember everything about him, but he's like a, I believe wrestling national champion, I think from Penn State. Yeah. Um. And yeah, he's looks like he's gonna be electric, but okay. we'll see if that actually uh, if he has a boring fight and he barely wins or something. Are they gonna I'm do curious it? Curious to see if they'll give him the contract because he'll be the guy with the biggest upside the whole season probably. Right, yeah, that's interesting. I'm looking forward to it. I'll circle it on my calendar as well. Also, shout out Justin Bernard. All right, on to tidbits. Oh, Justin Bernard. Justice for Justin Bernard, damn it. Damn right. Can I do, and I also, I don't mean to be, again, I don't want to, I have to even, I'm the darkness that evens out Dominic's light here, but... Uh, who who's the lead guy on the commentary for this? Um, what's his name? Oh shit, Dan Dan Kelly I think was last night. Yeah, I don't think it's it's not Kelly though, right? It's like like it sounds like that when he says it, but it's not spelled that way. It might not be something okay. like that. Well, let's just it say it sounds Dan, like that. Dan Dan. Okay. Um, Hopefully that's boy, his first. He one. had a few. He had a few moments. Like I don't normally notice when people mess up on commentary. But I like kept noticing he kept flubbing up some stuff on the was on the, he? On the I, commentary. Like, um, oh, I wish I could remember him now. He does a great job. I just noticed it last night. It was like, oh my god, I can't remember. What I know him and now. Felder kept going back and forth on names because Paul was like, dude, I'm jet lagged from UFC London still, and I'm <laughs> calling fights. Laura Sanko, by the way, still like I'm waiting on the first fight night because she was incredible again last night on commentary. Yeah, it, it doesn't matter. I mean, he does a great job. I just there was a few things I can't remember if he said like, um, I think he called it season three of the Contender series. Just he, a few years old. Just a, I mean, these are like little nitpicks. He probably just flubbed it in the moment, but uh, there was like three of them like within a ten minute span. I was like, Jesus, guy, let's let's strap it in here. Let's. Let's get into it. Like someone's only... on the teleprompter, like the movie, and he's just reading off. <laughs> like Anchorman. Yes, yes. Go fuck yourself, San Diego. From the entire Channel Four News team, I'm Veronica Corningstone, and I'm Ron Burgundy. Go fuck yourself, San Diego. <laughs> That's what. Anyways, happened let's hop into some tidbits. We do have a nice one. We got one. So an update on Dustin Poirier via his representative Tiki Gosen, former MMA fighter, uh, former UFC fighter. Also, uh, 
is he representative or coach of uh, Brian Ortega, right? So, oh, is he? Um, nice. Yeah, I don't know the I don't know the relationship with Ortega. I thought he was more of a coach with Ortega, but Dustin Poirier's representative apparently. So he provided an update. Here's the quote, Dominic, from Tiki Gosa. Okay. Looks like it's going to be Michael Chandler. Sounds like he wants the smoke, and Dustin is going to give it to him. Do you do you buy or sell that Poirier versus Chandler is the fight the UFC will make? Yeah, I buy it. This will this will probably be what will happen because Nate's out of the question. Justin Gaethje just had surgery or is getting surgery. Dustin and Chandler have had beef for quite some time, especially now what happened at the pay per view at UFC 276 where they got into a little bit of a scuffle on the front row, the fighters row as they call it. This is going to be the fight they make. And boy, oh boy, I can only hope it's a co-main under Diaz and Shemaev, if I'm being honest. That would be quite perfect, if you ask me, especially because UFC 280 doesn't need any more fights. That damn card (laughs) is already stacked to the gills. But yeah, I I 100% buy this fight, even though, really, they even said, like, nothing's even been offered, nothing's been said to Dustin. But Mm -hmm. Dustin retweeted this quote as well, so I definitely think that's what's going to happen. Dustin just wants to stay active. He's begging for a fight. Chandler wants so, to fight. It was so weird for a while. I felt like neither of these guys wanted this fight. They like both tried, and maybe that was just like mind games. But yeah, they both like downplayed the the fight. For Especially a while. on Dustin's side, like he had yeah. a lot of like like a vendetta almost against Chandler because the way they brought him in and whatnot. You yeah, know? and Chandler would be like when people would ask him. I remember he did like a Q and A on Twitter one time, and they'd be like, "Oh, if we want to see you versus Poirier," and he said, "Meh." I'm like, meh. Yeah, that's, a that's sick the fight, fight to make, homie. That's like, a come sick on. Fight, man. And also, like, it wouldn't hurt. I mean, I love the idea of making that the co-main on the Poirier Hamzat card, just because I think that fight needs a big co-main yeah. since you don't have a title fight attached to it. But also, wouldn't hurt if you make that like the feature bout in New York City. Yeah, true. Um, just because you know Chandler back in New York, you know Poirier kind of feels like a guy that should fight in New York. You know what I mean? Yeah, he so, deserves it now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, we say that, but then most then people go, well, I don't want to pay those taxes. It's like, well, okay, I mean, I guess you deserve it, but then you... Fair. You don't deserve like, it. <laughs> I'm not trying to insult you by saying that, that you yeah. deserve less money. I just think Madison Square Garden is such a monumental venue, obviously. Chandler's one headline more, there with Bellator. Yeah, that's true, actually. Yeah, so uh, one more tidbit. I don't have it on the script. Uh-oh. So uh, this, I'm curious if you heard about this. Okay. I almost forgot about it. So this was following... UFC London last week. Did you hear about what happened with Alexander Rakic? Oh, him and Jimmy Manoa. Yeah, so Alexander Rakic hanging out in the crowd, watching the fight. I believe he's got a he's pretty banged up. He's got like a knee break. I mean, well, yeah, we saw what happened against. Yeah, his uh, knee got all fucked up, so he's like in a brace of some sort. And a former foe of his, the man he retired. He yeah, yeah. Jimmy Manoa, former light heavyweight contender, walks past him. Sucker punches him in the face. See, I didn't see the video. Is there a video of it? I haven't seen any okay. video. I okay, just, but I, I did see heard. him talk about it in an interview. And I just <laughs> Alexander Rakic's comments about it afterwards. He's like, I should probably talk to someone about this. He's <laughs> like, that's not okay. Yeah. And he's like, and he kept calling him. I forget what he kept calling Jimmy, but he was like, enjoy your retirement, like sleepy, or I forget what yeah. he called him, but it was very funny. Um, I wonder why. What is about this year and uh, people getting sucker punched on the street when they lose a fight? First, I was like, wait, this has happened before this year? 
It has happened before this year. Yeah. I don't know. Especially he did that at a UFC event. I mean, yeah, I get he it, probably should. He probably shouldn't have done it at the venue. I think a yeah. better place would have been like a Miami Steakhouse or something like that. I think that might have been a more appropriate venue. A couple fights on the rest. <laughs> yeah, let's move it to the rest before I get us in trouble. So let's start with Derek Lewis. He's looking to snap not only a slight losing streak he's on, but a streak of losing in his home state. And this time he's taking on Sergei Pavlovich. So taking a bit of a step back for Derek. He's number five now in the heavyweight division. Been kind of a tough run for him of late. Um, He lost the interim heavyweight title fight about a year ago to Surreal Gone. And then he followed that up with another fight in Texas against Tai Tuivasa. Looked good early. (laughs) Then got slept with the elbow from Tuivasa. Tuivasa did the shoeies. I mean, it was just beautiful stuff but if you're Derek Lewis it's obviously not beautiful not great so here he is another attempt here in Texas step back technically with Pavlovich although I don't remember what Tui Vasa was ranked going into their fight but it feels like Pavlovich is a step back yeah but I feel like he was around eight or something Sergey Pavlovich is an absolute hammer as well I mean oh. this guy's debut in the UFC even though it's been a while now I think it was like 2019 yep was in a main event spot against Alistair Overeem he yeah. lost that fight. But that's the UFC, you talk about fast tracking. That doesn't get talked about enough. The UFC literally threw this guy into the main event on his first Crazy. card. And yes, he did get finished by Overeem, but I mean, Overeem, that was back when Overeem was the fucking man. That was last um, run, Overeem, you know? Yeah. Well, I was before. I mean, 2019, I guess, I don't know how long you consider last run, Overeem, but he was still headlining cards and very. Yeah competitive at the time so he kind of ever since that first fight his activity's been sporadic he's been dealing with a lot of injuries we did see him back at the last ufc london show right back in march and yeah he put away um shamil what's his name shamil abdurrahimov in pretty emphatic fashion so dominic you look at this fight two guys that love to put their guys away stand and bang how do you see this going you see a lot of swinging and banging here yeah, I I I'd say so. But again, Derek Lewis you can never rule out his fight with Francis Ngannou. All right, no, just got to bring that up. But on paper, yes, this should be two guys that are going in there to get a finish and get a finish early. Sergey, at 30 years old, right in his prime. A lot of people are probably like, "Who's this guy that Derek Lewis is fighting?" But this is a legit contender you know on the fringe contender guy right here in sergey pavlovich wow. so, and, so you're uh, ready you know, to like you're you're crowning him already is like uh yeah like i think guy. this is a tough matchup for Derek. i do um wow but man Derek lewis will fucking fight anybody he does not care he is the most active heavyweight him and andre arlosky of course we had to give him a shout on the pod too but um, you know, this is a big fight. Like, if you lose here, Derek Lewis, and the, the Tui Vasa one already felt to me like, okay, any, like, title runs in the future is gone. But, like, if he loses this one, this is a very, very important fight for Derek Lewis, depending on where he wants to still be in his career. I'll put it that way. So, Yeah, to me, I think the pressure is on Pavlovich, actually, here. Uh, I, I For Derek Lewis, sure, a loss – Definitely as uh, someone's revving up something outside. I don't think it's <laughs> yeah. a Harley. I don't know what the hell that is. But Pavlovich, or I'm um, sorry, Derek Lewis, like if he wins, 
doesn't really do a ton for him. Like he keeps him alive, yeah. yep. but ultimately it's like a survive and advance. It's more of a lateral step than a forward one. He's just trying to hold ground, right? But if he loses, he'll be in more unfamiliar territory. Because even, I remember that time he, he lost back-to-back fights. He lost to Cormier for the title, and then he got finished by JDS. Yeah. And I felt like we were starting to think we was the end of him then. And then he rattled off a few more wins in a row. So it's hard to count him out, even though he has lost two in a row. He's fought so many of these guys up at the top. But it doesn't, for me right now, it doesn't feel out of the question depending on how long he wants to go and how many wins he can stack up, that he somehow extends his career a little bit while longer. Yeah. But he is going up against the hammer. I mean, Pavlovich is who he is. He's literally 15-1, 12 knockouts. Yeah. Most of them been in the first round. Every one of them. them. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But we saw what happened to Pavlovich when he took that step to elite-level competition. Yeah, Alistair Overeem destroyed him. Yeah, and I would not. I don't consider Shamil Abdurrahimov elite competition. Mm-hmm. Derek Lewis elite competition. Yep, yep. So to me, the pressure's on Pavlovich because here he's the guy that's the UFC or maybe trying to prime for that contender spot. Like you're saying, you're already ready to call him like a mm-hmm. like a contender. I think he's got a lot to prove. I think he's in a more of an Augusto Sakai situation here where, mm. you know, this is his chance. But he's never fought someone like Derek Lewis nope. besides, I guess, Overeem. And, and he lost. Overeem made it easy. So even though Pavlovich has looked really good up to this point, I would be hesitant. Like, to me, the line is a little ridiculous. Like, the fact that Pavlovich is the favorite, I think, is kind of crazy. I think it's crazy. Yeah. I could see that. I see that. I mean, I'm not saying again. This is no. It continues to grow. That's kind of at heavy at heavy at heavy weight. You can never really go too much into (laughs) too big of favorites or underdogs because really, one one shot and it's over. And that's really what it's going to come down to here. If I'm being honest, like really, it is more. I guess it is a bit of a pick'em in that way, but. I mean, Derek Lewis has the knockout record at heavyweight. The guy's just beaten so many good guys that, to me, it would it, it just he's so much more battle tested. But there's definitely some potential with Pavlovich. It's just in order for Pavlovich to get this win, it would require him showing something that he just has not yet, which is yeah. very much. I mean, this is his second opportunity, so. To me, the pressure's on him. If he fucks up oh, here yeah. and loses, I shouldn't say fucked up. But if he if he loses this, I mean, it's a giant step back for him as a as a not a prospect, but you know, like that. You call him like a it's like a fledging contender right now. Yep, yep, yep. I agree. Next up, flyweights. Alexandre Pantoja taking on Alex Perez. This is the first time we've seen Alex Perez since 2020 when he lost. This is coming out on Thursday. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Since he lost his title fight to Davis and Figueredo, he was the first man to earn a contract from the Contender Series to fight for a UFC title. Kind of a fun trivia fact for Alex Perez there. Yep. Um, but he's taken on the unsung hero of this flyweight division, Alexandre Pantoja, a man who just a year ago was turning down his chance at a title fight against Brandon Moreno because he wasn't ready. 
And now look what's happened. I was it about to say, imagine if he took that fight. You know, It all kind of blew up in his face. And I made the mistake. I didn't realize this until I was looking previewing this fight. When this fight was announced, I thought this was a rematch. I thought Pantoja was the guy that Perez like destroyed with leg kicks. And I was wrong. It is not Pantoja. It's Juicier Formiga was the man that he destroyed with leg kicks. Yeah, well, you didn't correct me at the time. So I don't want to hear it that you thought. You know, I don't even I don't want to hear it. But you were agreeing with me, but whatever. I mean, yeah, sure. You, that's what you thought. But. No, I believe you. I just don't remember the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> but for Pantoja, you know, I think, God, man. I mean, for this fight, like, I don't think this fight's being given enough credit. Because this potentially, if you really look at it, Dom, the winner of this fight could be fighting the winner of our interim title fight, depending on what happens with Davison. Yep, 100%. I agree with that. We Davison, you remember the drama we talked about with him a couple months back where he said he doesn't even know if he'll ever come back to 125 pounds. This could, that could very well be a possibility for this fight. Pantoja's yeah, so, already earned it, first and foremost, and Perez's last fight was literally for a title. So yeah. it's hard not to say that. It really feels like this fight should be more have more weight to it. And I know it's flyweight. That's... Damn it. That, that seems to hold it back. I'm just glad it's on a main card. I'm glad. Yeah. I'm glad they didn't put Dante Mays and Hamdi Abdel Wahab yeah. on the main card, and then they put this on the first fight of the prelims. So yeah. and that's a win. But it does feel like this fight should be given more respect in terms of what it could mean. And maybe that's too theoretical because really it feels like Moreno Car France are fighting for the right to fight for the title against Figueredo. But. A lot could change, and I mean, oh yeah, oh yeah. For Pantoja, you gotta believe he is like just itching for that opportunity. You know, he's on the best run of his career, twenty-four and five, eight and three in the UFC. He's won back-to-back fights against good competition. Manel Cape, Brandon Roy Val, he finished. Yeah, he looked great in both fights. And then Alex Perez is a, kind of a vulnerable opponent potentially. Yeah, hasn't fought in almost two years. Yeah. Has been in all these potential matchups and then kept falling out for yep. one reason or another. So, like, how vulnerable will he be here? That'll be interesting to see. Will the ring rust be real? Will just the, maybe the head games? Like, is he, is he questioning if he's even going to actually make it to fight night? Is something else going to go wrong? Yep. Um, I, I, I like Pantoja a lot in this fight. I do. But mm-hmm. to respect the talent of Alex Perez, I mean, there's a reason that this, this guy was – contender series alum to fight for a title that means something yeah absolutely it should be a fun scrap man it's important people need to realize how important it is yeah and then we open our main card with a very intriguing fight if i do say so myself another fight that these odds are a little crazy on if i also i'm telling you saturday morning you may just get a text message i don't know yet (laughs) magomed on taking on anthony smith Dominic, I love this fight. I love this fight. It is a good fight. fight. It makes a lot of sense. Look, Anthony Smith is on a bit of a resurgence, admittedly, not against super high-level competition. I mean, it's good competition, but it's solid. Devin yeah. Clark, Jimmy Crew, Ryan Spann. Like, I know a lot of people probably were picking Jimmy Crew at the time that they fought, but you know, Crew was there, and then he lost to Jamal Hill. I think maybe he's come back down to earth. You know, Ryan Spann's been kind of this back half of the top 15 guy as like his ceiling. Devin Clark never really even been like a top 15 guy. 
But basically, he's taken every challenge in front of him, and he's aced it. He's not just winning these fights. I mean, he's pretty much dominating them. Yep, finished all and three. I mean, he, he, he continues to be one of the most underrated talents in the entire company. Has to People be. look at his record, and he gets written off because he's got 16 losses. But he's got 36 wins as well. This guy is yeah. super experienced. I mean, he's fought anybody and everybody. He's done it at multiple weight classes. Um, we are a far... We feel like we're far from where we were just a couple years ago where he had his teeth get knocked out by Glover and like what felt like just a brutal fight yep. that you almost wanted to turn away from. Or the fight with Rakich where it felt like afterwards he was talking about kind of quitting or even going down a weight class. It's, yep. He seems much more confident and sure of himself again. He kind of got that mojo back. And I like that he's getting now elite competition. Like, he won three fights in a row. He's taken every fight that's been asked of him. And now he's getting the guy that's been sort of crowned as, like, the next champion of the division. So, no easy fights for Anthony Smith. But I do think Ankalaev has a lot to prove. Oh, yeah. As good definitely. as he is. As good as he is. As few blemishes as we've seen. Only one loss in his entire career came to Paul Craig. Yeah, in a fight he was winning, of yep. course. Insert yep. the clip. Yep. Yep. Bar sporting the traditional Scottish kilt. What is under? Yes, please. You want to see? It's yeah. my, it's my, it's my. Your kibbles and bits? It's my, it's my cock. No. <laughs> cock. Um, so, for Ankalaev, though, like, as great of a run as he's been on, I need to see more. I need yeah. to see more. Like, he is sort of coasting in a lot of these fights. And, that's scary because it consider how good he can really be. But like the Tiago Santos fight, the Vulcan Uzdemir fight, I mean, what do you really take away from that? Like, yes, he's very good, but how will he fare against a guy like Anthony Smith, who I don't believe is going to allow that kind of fight? I think I he think has Anthony to bring Smith, it. I think Anthony Smith's going to bring it to him. So I yeah. want to see how he responds with that kind of pressure. Yeah, I think, and really, too, like if you're Anthony, you you kind of have to come into this knowing that's your best-case scenario. It, Ian, Noah said this kind of off-recording when we talked about our bets for the bet slip that we're about to get into, but where, you know, if this fight goes the distance, you can't help but lean in Ankalaev's favor just because of what we've seen him do, especially coming off of a five-rounder with Tiago Santos. So Anthony Smith is so great, super underrated, closing at like plus 410 or something as of right now. I'm very curious to see how he approaches this fight because he could test Magomed in ways that no one else has. So I think the odds are insane, but I also say that like recognizing that they could yeah. really turn out that way. Exactly. Like, I could totally see Ankalaev dominating this fight. Right. But it's a bit of believing when you see it right now. So yep. Um, yep. let's move on to the below average bet slip. We came back down to earth last week. We lost all the progress we had made over the course of about a month and a half. It took so the, now the out climb, of the, the climb, the climb back to positive units is uh, here. I mean, that's yes, that's that's what it is. We decided to double down. We went bigger than ever here. <laughs> yeah. So Dominic, we have a lot of bets. Let's try to be brief as we <laughs> go through them. It's a um, lot. Especially the ones that we've already kind of talked about the fights themselves. So, like, I'll start. Kai Car France, money line, plus 180. Um, again, I just think this fight is a lot closer than the odds. I'm playing the odds here. If you made me guess who's going to win this fight, I might pick Moreno. But to me, it's like a 50-50 fight. 
So yeah. Kai Carpenter's at plus one eighty. I think that's a steal on the money line. Gian Kim money line plus one ten. Uh, I am kind of shocked that she's the underdog. Now I know her UFC record's not pretty. She's three and five in the UFC, but I have not been impressed at all by Jocelyn Edwards. And Gian Kim has fought really good competition. I mean, some of her losses: Priscilla Cachoeira, Molly McCann, Alexa Grasso, Anthony Shevchenko. She's got a couple split decisions, too, I think, right? And, I mean, the last fight was a complete robbery. It's one of the angriest I've ever gotten at a fight. (laughs) Yes, it was. Uh, While the best opponent Edwards has fought in the UFC was Jessica Rose Clark. Solid opponent. But I just think Ji-Young Kim, I think, fought better competition. I think she's the better fighter as of now. Plus 110. Beautiful. Short notice for Edwards, too. Um, but yeah, so Sergey Pavlovich, I kind of hinted at it, right? I just feel like this is a tough fight for Derek. I respect him for taking it. I really, really do. But I really do think that right now at this point in time, Sergey is, like I said, a fringe contender and a legitimate talent right now in his prime. He's going to be a bit bigger than Derek Lewis, which is hard to imagine. And I just think he carries power. And Derek has shown lately that he is becoming more... Um, able to be hit lately in these later fights. So I think Pavlovich gets it done. This line continues to grow. It's been almost down to like even money. We got it at minus 140. We'll see how it goes. Next one for me, Magomed Ankalaev by decision at plus 100. I originally, when I was kind of sending down my picks, I had Ankalaev Smith over two and a half rounds, which was like minus 120 or something Mm -hmm. like that. Um, I reconsidered when I really thought about the fight in of itself. If the fight goes that long or is going to a decision, to me, Ankalaev is the clear favorite, the clear winner in that yep. scenario. I think for Anthony Smith to get this done, it's going to require some sort of finish, a submission off his back, which he's fully capable of doing, has a lot of those in his career, or even finishing him on the feet. You know, that He's got that dog in him. He does. He does. Long, rangy. And plus 100, though, for the decision, I just feel like this is the most likely scenario that's probably even reflected on these odds because I bet any other scenario, if either fighter by KOTKO, by decision, by submission, I bet plus 100 was the smallest you could get. But that's pretty much even money. So Ankalaev by decision, Ankalaev feels like a guy who's going to be fighting for a belt. Um, Anthony Smith clearly his toughest test, but I think it's a necessary one for him to pass to uh, earn that title shot. And then I'll transition that into one me and Dom have. 2.35 units. You know me. 1.35. Yep. So Michael Morales by KOTKODQ. Respect to his opponent, Adam Fugit, for taking this fight on very short notice. This is the guy actually, Dom. Do you remember Solomon Renfro from last season of the Contender Series? Yep. So Fugit is the guy who actually knocked him out in like less than a minute for um, Cage Fury. Uh, yeah. not too long ago. So Adam Fugit, tough He's opponent. Good. But this is a tough draw on your first time out. I mean, I think Michael Morales is an Stud. exceptional talent. Yes. And this guy's power on the feet, his explosiveness, his athleticism. I just think he's going to be too much for a guy making his debut on short notice here in Fugit. I like the way minus 135 for the finish on the feet. He's got 10 of his 12 wins via KOTKO. So and we even get a DQ in case Fugit decides to go grabbing for nuts or something. Um, funny enough, Dom, that next bet I actually took off in favor of this one. So the Morales Fugit does not start round three is off. Okay, that's not off. So I, I did not bet that, so I do want to make that clear to everybody. 
Okay. I actually, I was going to do it, and then I decided, you know what? I feel good about Michael Morales, so that's why I changed it. Next one, Pena Nunez does not start round four, minus 150. I put a unit and a half on it. I feel a lot like how Dom does, and I know Dom has a bet very similar to this one. Yeah. To me, it feels inevitable that this fight will be finished. And it's not, and I do think if Pena wins, I think you're going to see a very similar to the first fight. Yeah. Like, to me, it's about what um, differences or what changes has Nunez made to make this a more, well, swing the, I guess, odds in her favor. I mean, that's what it all comes down to. She's still the favorite, and I think she still should be. Um, we can argue if I guess the odds are a little too much in her favor, but um, she's the women's goat, and I mean she. We have every reason to believe that she could bounce back here, and honestly, kind of put a, a bit of a statement on here that she's not done, and that was a fluke. But I think Pena. There's a scenario where that really is the way this fight just goes the majority of the time, and Pena just gets the better of her again. Yeah, there's a lot of question marks. A lot's got to be answered. I just have a hard time seeing this kind of fight with all that's going into it going to full five. Yeah, I, I like that. I like that. Oh, is that leading to me, right? Lewis mm-hmm. Pavlich under one and a half. I'm feeling, um, I don't know. Maybe, this is the bet I think I'm most nervous about. Is See, that surprises me. That does surprise me that you're nervous about this one. Yeah, because and it, I guess I just keep thinking about Derek Lewis and Francis Ngannou, the best fight ever. Yeah. But realistically... Again, I've talked about how Sergey I feel like, is going to win, and apparently I think he's going to do it in under a round and a half. But when you look at the stats, Lewis, should he win, probably going to happen at under a one and a half as well. I feel like he can connect on Sergey, so I kind of wanted to play that both sides here. But listen, five straight fights have ended via stoppage for Derek Lewis, four of them under one and a half rounds. All 12 of Sergey's wins have come in the very first round. I just think they're going to come out they're going to I don't know if it's going to be like necessarily a lot of volume but when they throw it's going to land and it's going to land very powerfully someone goes down got that at minus 155 into the next one this is one and a half two and a half three and a half I like that I did not do that intentionally yeah. Drew Dober Rafael Alves I think this is a sick yeah, fight this is another like one this. yeah came together short notice on the Alves side of things but I really like this stylistically um, it should be a banger I think Drew Dober doesn't really get enough respect for kind of the level of competition and the, yeah the willingness that he has just kind of fight anybody we saw him at a ufc 203 way back in 2016 fell in love with him that night man yeah that chin the crimson chin man i fell in love with him yeah that see i'm glad you brought that up because he is durable for sure but rafael Aves has been finished nine out of his 10 fights so i just feel like someone's got to give here dober seven out of his last 10 have been under two and a half nine out of 10 losses as i said for Alves have been via stoppage the styles, the way they clash, Dober's very strong and powerful. Alves can lock in submissions from anywhere. I think someone gets put away there. That was yeah. Also- let me just let me just say to get your to your credit on this. I mean, Alves has eight submission wins. Drew Dober, four of his seven losses in the UFC via submission. Yeah, I'm see. I didn't even put that on my paper, so I'm glad you put that down. That's an even greater point there. So it feels like either guy has a clear advantage. Yes, the other here, right. You know? Very much so. And that was minus 155 as well. And then the last under is Peña Nunes, three and a half. Copy and paste what Noah said. I think just the way that the styles clash, the way that the first fight played out, I don't think it's going to be anything too different from that one. I think someone gets put away. And if you're giving me time into the fourth round, that's a lot of minutes. What is that, 17 and a half or something? So, or wait, more than that. 
I don't know. 17, no, 17 and a half minutes. That's, That's a lot of time. time. Minus 175. Uh, last one on the singles. I got 1.2 units on Pantoja Perez to go the distance at minus 120. Um, you know, there's with this one, like if you really look at the stats here, I mean, Pantoja has had 12 of his 29 professional fights go to distance. Perez, 13 of his 30. So not necessarily 50%. But, I mean, if you look in terms of the UFC, Pantoja's six decisions and 11 fights. Perez, two out of eight, which is kind of interesting because he's got – he's very decision-heavy in terms of his career. But in the UFC, it's not been that way. I just think that these two – there's going to be a little bit of tentativeness, I think, at first. You know, Pantoja, a lot to lose here. He's already had to really scratch and claw his way to this spot. Uh, while Perez hasn't fought in two years – Feel like you might have a little bit of ring rust. I'm hoping this fight starts out a little bit slower. These two, I'm sure it'll be a fun fight because flyweight, I mean, they're always in fun fights. But flyweight also finishes fights at under 50% clip, fun fact. So mm. um, that's just another thing you can throw in there. I do think Pantoja is a big submission threat in this fight. Yeah. But I don't necessarily believe Perez can finish this fight on the feet. So... Um, as long as we don't get a submission from Pantoja, I'm feeling okay. But we'll see. I mean, I, it's, like it. I could be right, and I could be, you know, the words of death. You know, I never forget what I said about Prohaska Teixeira on the show. Never, so. never, ever. Now, two parlays. Me and Dom, somewhat similar on these. Mine at plus 127. I switched up my parlays a lot today. I was. I, I noticed was, that. I was like, in, I was like Dexter's laboratory, just like pouring shit, yeah. trying to make it work. Jakar Close. Coming off of the best performance of his career. Um, in terms of what he can do here, I mean, Hoffa Garcia, 2-2 two and two in the UFC. Jakar Close, 6-2. A lot more UFC-level competition. Uh, Jakar Close has also gone the distance a lot in his career. I just, I think he's on a good run right now. I think he's a borderline top 15 guy. Yeah. And because of that, I don't really see the same with Hoffa Garcia, so I think this should be a win that he gets... I don't want to say easy because Hoffa Garcia, big submission threat. But uh, if it means anything, Jakar Close has never submitted anybody, and he's also never been submitted. So yeah. doesn't really go to the ground very much. Um, second leg, Dante Mays. Um, A lot of people have yeah. been taking him, though, Noah, I've noticed. Well, this is true. But I, I told myself after I forget who I bet on. Um, yeah, I can't. I'm not going to remember. Insert mediocre heavyweight here i said that alan badeau that's that's oh yeah yeah i said i would never bet on heavyweights again especially ones i didn't feel super confident in but man i mean dante mays he's not great i mean he's two and two you know he's kind of a guy right he's kind of just another guy but i'm more fading his opponent handy abdel wahab who respect to him he's getting his debut here on short notice but you look at the competition. I mean, he's 3-0. and Two of those wins are against the same opponent. He's got two bare-knuckle wins under um, Icon. Jorge Masvidal's yeah. promotion. I don't know how much that really matters here, So whether he's 5-0 and or 3-0. and uh, He's definitely a threat on the feet. But, I mean, Dante May's an 8-inch reach advantage, too. So, Ooh. to me, it just feels... You know, I don't know how he's going to get it done. I could even see this going to do a decision, and Dante Mays winning that way. He's got three decisions in 13 fights. So, um, 
plus 127. I decided I've thought about doing like I had Morales on a parlay at first. I had on Kalayev on a parlay at first, but and I had these two kind of split up. But I decided, you know what? I'm just going to juice up the parlay. I feel confident enough in Morales and Ankalaev to do singles on, and I'll make the parlay a little bit risky for me. But you know, two legs. I'm not fucking with three leg parlays for a while. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I like the thought process there too. When you mentioned like Morales and Ankalaev, when you're you know. You're taking Magomed from a minus 510 to a plus 100. We're taking Michael from a minus 600 to a minus 135. If you're not right. going to parlay them, you can play them that way. Um, yeah. For my money line, it was plus 131. Both of us plus money on the parlays this week. That'd be big if we get the hit on them. I had Drakkar close as well. I think he's a supremely underrated talent. When you look at it, he's 6-2 and two in the UFC, and one of those losses was a fight of a year-type contender against the New York News, <laughs> and he just true. got finished super late. He looked uh, great early, and yes. then after that, Benil went on his run. So. Yeah, Close is a very supremely talented fighter, so I really like him there. And then I went with Alexandre Pantoja. I'm a bit nervous. He closed at minus 180, I think is what I what he was on this parlay. I just, the run he's on right now, he looks so good. His fight against Manel Cop said so much to me about his skill level. I just thought he looked amazing in that fight. Then to go out there and finish our boy, Raw Dog Brandon Roy Val. Um, I, I think he's doing big things. I think he earned that title fight for a reason. Yes, it's unfortunate that he had to pull out due to injury, but he's back against Alex Perez. Long layoff for Alex. I think it's a tough fight for him. I like Pantoja in that one at plus 131. Let me know what you guys think of the poster, by the way. I think this poster is sick. I think it looks so clean. It's clean. Yeah, it's clean. There is a little weird stuff with the the, the, the names. Like I think, they, I think they overdo it a little bit, but God, like the – the pictures look so clean, and yeah, yeah. I wish we could get like pictures like that for every one of our recap uh, thumbnails. So, oh yeah, um, dude. <laughs> but that's it for the bet slip. Um, let us know what bets your place and all those odds come this week come from DraftKings Sportsbook, of course. FanDuel disappointing us this week. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm sure they'll be back. But um, now let's move on to the way we end the show, Dom. We don't end it any other way, but with closing statements. Yes. The point of the show where me and Dom can talk about anything and everything, MMA-related or not. Dominic, do you have any closing statements for this Thursday preview show? I already talked about a golf outing this weekend before the fights. Where are you going? We are going to uh, Beachwood Golf Course. It's in Arcanum, Ohio. So let me let me ask you about your golfing excursions this summer. Because when me okay. and you were still, when I was still kind of tagging along, you know, way back when. I miss our time in BG, man. I know. We would go to, there was two places we would go. There was the BG Country Club when we were in Bowling Green. And then we were back home, we'd go to um, Jamaica. Jamaica. Yeah. So, with you guys now that you're a little bit more further along in your golf game and stuff, are you guys like going out and hitting a lot of different courses or are you trying to stick with one? Like, what are you guys doing? Uh, so like weekday evenings, we'll still go to like the home course cause it's a super cheap deal. It's like a twilight deal. Is that so, Jamaica or? Is yeah, that, yeah. Yeah. So at five forty-five, you get in there for 15 bucks, all you can golf until yeah. sunset. So it's I really good for just practice cheap. and, you know, just having a good time. But on the weekends, we get one to two Saturday mornings a month where we go out to nicer, bigger courses. So that's why we're trying out this one. Our buddy Branson golfed in high school, and this was one of the tournament locations they would play at. He's talked about it for a long time. Now he's finally taken us there, so I'm excited. He said 
that there's about half of the course to where if you hit anywhere but the fairway, you're in the trees. So I'm likely <laughs> going to have a rough morning, but that's okay. It's all for the love of the game. Does your drive still go far right? Absolutely. So I'm going to hit a couple trees. Oh, wait a minute. I have a closing statement because it's related to golf. I'm glad you brought asked me questions. Mm. We golfed. What is today? Wednesday? We golfed Monday night. Mm. Me and JP friend of the show friend of us we're driving down the cart path in the cart we just teed off we're going down the hill to get to the fairway there's a there's a hole here that was ours and then there's a hole here that goes the other way so they hit toward us technically but on the other side as we're driving down the hill on the cart path we're just talking having a good time couldn't hear anything apparently there was a four call from that group i kid you not i'm driving jp's in the passenger seat on his phone out of nowhere, boosh! A ball right off of the windshield of the cart. If there's on the other cart, there was not a windshield. Had I been in that cart, I would have been doinked right in the face or chest. Oh my god! With a golf ball off of a driver, it I would, imagine I that never, would have done some damage too. Yes, it would not have felt good. I've never, as much as I golf, I've never been that close to being hit. Like come, you know, they'll come close by or whatever, but you get the four call. We're driving, couldn't hear it doinked right off of the windshield of the car absolutely craziest second craziest thing to ever happen on a golf course no was involved in the other <laughs> oh wait wait oh are you talking about with the with the tree and jp yeah okay yeah yeah, yeah. yeah so, <laughs> that's what i was about to say i was like whenever i think of you and jp on a yeah. cart together yeah uh i don't remember what triggered the the initial Bro. like laughing but basically dom's driving the car JP riding shoddy. Yeah. I forget what happened. Someone. I think I took it like a turn quick and he was basically falling But no, out. he was, but I thought he was like cracking up at something. I think already. he was laughing at first. And I can't remember if Nick Moore had done something. Yeah. One of our other buddies had like done something. Yeah. Or maybe someone missed a shot and was like going off or something. Yeah. Cause we had a lot of us there for this. I mean, yeah. that's where we took the picture of all of us together. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, um, but I remember he's like dying laughing. Dominic like skirts the cart. JP goes flying out. And then Dom's like turning around, like laughing, pointing at him. And then Dom smokes a tree. <laughs> I like, fell to the front of the cart. The windshield <laughs> fell off. Oh, the whole windshield fell off. It, that I, is the top three funniest moment of my life i'm 24 years old it's absolutely hilarious that is very much like sitcom oh you can't it can never be replicated it was perfect okay maybe i just have the i've been told that i think like a stand-up comedian like by my mom and stuff she's (laughs) like you have a very stand-up comedian like way of like you know comedians whenever they're in pain or they're going through something traumatic or just whatever You know, they just look at it like, man, this is going to make a great material yeah. later. So that's yeah. a little bit like me because I love telling stories. Mm-hmm. So I was, um, <laughs> I thought of this story from when I went to Nashville last year. And I'm like, the rough this trip. A, uh, the rough trip home? That no, one? no, no. That was Gatlinburg. Okay. So okay. Nashville was um, about, it was around January 2021. Okay. So it was over a year ago. So me and a group of friends from college decide we're going to go to uh, Nashville, stay for a few days. Um, 
outside of me, I believe there was three guys, two girls. Okay, so four guys, two girls, bit of a sausage fest. No, I'm just kidding. But we're all just friends, you know. So and, and the point of this story is that I just, I looked at this story and I said, this would make a great sitcom episode. So I'm going to pitch it to you. Okay. You know, in sitcoms, in our audience, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, in sitcoms, you have like your A story and then you have your B story, right? right. So it's like the side story. Okay. So we're there. We're having a great time. So this is the last night that we're staying there. And we're on what's called um, Broadway, which yep. is like the main yep. stretch of if tourist Nashville. It's where all the bars are that are named after the country singers, all that. So we started on that strip, I mean, pretty early, and we were closing it down. I mean, we went hard. I mean, yeah. we, we went hard this day. So everybody at this point, we're at this bar called Nudie's. Okay. Okay. And there's karaoke going on. Everybody's having a good time. I'm shouting out Starships by Nicki Minaj. Oh, bang. I don't I mean just out of out of all the songs, right? Everybody's drunk as shit. Mm-hmm. It's a great time, right? Well, one of the guys comes up to me and he goes, Hey, we're gonna go I forget if he said to Old Red. That's where we ended up going, but I don't know if he said we're going old red or if he said we're going to leave. And I was like, and he said, but I'm going to go pee first. And I'm like, all right, sit. Like, cool. Yeah. So the way we're positioned, me and the two girls are like sitting at the seating at the bar at this point. And one guy just went to pee. The other two guys are kind of hanging out by the steps, like waiting for him kind of because the restrooms like downstairs it's irrelevant details but um so i kind of get on my phone again i'm drunk as shit i'm not no peripherals at this point I mean, yeah. it's just whatever i'm looking the, at that's the all mr grabs meme yep so i'm looking at my phone and like five minutes go by and i'm like he's been gone a while so i look behind me neither of the other two guys are there my friend who went to pee gone as well and then i look to my left and the two girls are still there and they're both bawling their eyes out. Oh. And I'm like, uh? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what just happened? I'm like, everybody was so happy like five minutes ago. And now these two girls are crying. My other friends are gone. Yeah. And I don't know what they're crying about. They're, they're women. They're drunk. They're like, I'm so sorry. Right. right. And I'm like, what, what are you guys apologizing for? Like, yeah. Yeah. So then I said, well, I, and I think they did say something about Old Red because I'm like, okay, let's go to Old Red. This is um, uh, Blake Shelton's bar. Okay. And we're going to get food. That, that's what, because I'm like, these women need to eat something because yeah. they are obviously uh, drunk messes right now. So we walk into Old Red. <laughs> we see. The three guys that left us sitting at a three-person table, and they're like, they're singing whatever song that was on when they when we walked in, and they're like, hey, we could get some chairs over here, and I'm pissed because I'm like, you left me with these two crying women. Yeah, I said. So I I said, no, we're gonna get our own seats. <laughs> So this is where it really turns into a sitcom. I promise you it's coming. Okay, okay. So we get seated upstairs, which is more of where you eat. And downstairs is more of like a bar area. Yeah. So those three proceed to just have like 
the best night, like hangover style, like mm-hmm. madness. Yeah. So they're down there just having a good old time. I go up there, all three of us, we all order food. These two girls are still crying, and I'm sitting like in the middle of Did them. you start crying? No. Okay. I'm more just like, I feel like I'm sobering up. I'm starting to get a headache. It's, yeah. it's not good. So I finish my food. These two women have not even barely touched their food. I'm like, they're still crying. I'm hearing a lot of... <laughs> and I like look at them I'm like, you going to finish that? No. Okay. <laughs> so I end up eating like three <laughs> plates of food. <laughs> and then I'm like, okay, I guess I got to order an Uber to yeah. take us back. Because <laughs> we were all staying with this girl who had graduated... Oh, you know her too, yeah, Leah. Yeah. So, um, we take an Uber over there. Meanwhile, my three buddies go to a the three guys go to a bar, and what ends up happening? So this is the A plot now. Okay. These three guys are leaving. They're going. So they're uh, after some shenanigans. They're deciding it's time to go back. Right. Right. Bars are closing, so they hop in and so they get. There's some hot dog stand that sells massive chili dogs. Like you oh. get all this shit on it, they're massive. Oh. Well, these three drunk idiots think it's a great idea to hop in an Uber with the like most Oh boy. Like, you know, just fucking filthy chili, chili everywhere. Dogs, but you know. Yeah, they're messy. And they think they're just gonna eat it in the car. So apparently they get in, and I will admit this Uber driver did not have to act this way. But they get in, and he's like, hey, how are you guys doing? And they're like, oh, we're good. And he goes, that's great. Get the fuck out. And they're like, huh? <laughs> and he goes, I said, get the fuck out. How dare you bring chili dogs into my car? So there's one guy. Let's just call him Steve. Okay. That's not his name, but okay, let's call fair. him Steve. Steve is a bit shorter He's usually very aggressive. Like he's he's the one that if, if something like this happened, you would expect him to be like ready Say to say something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Meanwhile, we have another guy. Let's call him John. John. John is like a sweetheart. Mm-hmm. John, even when he's drunk, like yeah, he can sure he can he'll talk his shit, but like ultimately if there's a fight about to go down, he's more of a support, like trying to hound everything back, hold right. everybody back. So Steve and the third guy, who let's just call Adrian, because that's his actual name, but that's his Amer his American name. He's okay. a foreign exchange student. You know, that's a weird thing yeah, that they do. Yeah. So Steve and Adrian are like, "Oh yeah, no problem, dude. We'll get out. We'll get out." John oh, says, boy. "What the fuck did you just say to us?" <laughs> He's like, "I said get the fuck out." And John goes, "All right." I'll get out. He goes, but I'm going to wipe this fucking chili dog all over your damn car. So he gets out and he starts like, uh, uh, like pretending like he's going to do it. And this guy goes, Oh, you're going to throw that on my fucking car. So this like 50 year old man gets out and comes around. Like he's going to do something. John immediately rips off the flannel. It's like, Steve, hold my flannel. And they're, and they're like squaring up. And he goes, I will choke you with this hot dog. Like, he's just going off. Meanwhile, in the B-plot, I'm in a fucking one-bedroom studio apartment listening to two girls cry about God knows what. 
And then I finally convinced him to go outside the apartment so I can chain smoke cigarettes. I go through an entire pack of cigarettes. I'm wearing, this is like 30 degree weather. Yeah. I'm wearing a white beater, shorts, and <laughs> moccasins. And I went through an entire pack of cigarettes in like four hours of sitting out there listening to them cry. Yeah. And then, of course, an Uber rolls up. These three guys get out. They're all still like high adrenaline. They're like, I was ready. I was going to choke him with that chili dog. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, of course, John, he's the one that's all fired up, right? He's the one that almost got in a fight. He goes, oh, God, I just was so excited to get back here so I could have a cigarette. So he goes up to get his cigarettes. I just smoked all his cigarettes. So one of the so that's where the plots went, come together. So one of the girls that went to bed, and he goes, "Where the fuck are my cigarettes?" And I said, "Dude, I think she smoked them." <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> and then the credits roll. Yep. So that was wow. Uh, wow, that ended up being longer than I thought. But you know, I hope your you storytelling guys, though really is great. It I hope you guys great. enjoyed that. Let me know if you think that's a bit of a sitcom episode or something. I think that would think oh, it play is. well. That feels like an episode of Seinfeld. You know that kind yeah. of thing. Yes, for sure. Well, I'm Noah Baker. That's Dominic Salee. We're the Below Average Joes, and we'll see you guys on Monday. I think I'm going to go eat a